This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to Adulting with Horses, the podcast for weird horse girls, and the best place to be if you can't be at the barn. Put down the muckrake, turn up the volume, and let's have some fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adulting with Horses. So I hope you are paying attention because things are about to get a little weird as usual, but of course, in a fun way. Uh, Natalie, you had some big changes this week. What's new with you? Oh, you know, I'm just like a horse farm owner now. I just have a farm with like actual horses on it. And oh, NBD, uh, just yeah. a dream. Yeah, you know, it's casual. There's just two beautiful chestnuts grazing in my front paddock right now. Oh, I have paddocks with beautiful horses in them. Um, it's fine. It's not a big change from my, you know, past seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of living in an apartment. So no, there's no, no difference at no. all. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, that sounds terrible why would you want to ever do that I don't know I had this weird moment last night where I was like oh my god I have a horse what because it is really honestly I haven't had a horse that I could actually call my own since like 2010 that's a big deal I know I love it though and I'm loving I'm loving all the the social media feeds seeing how you and Ben are playing in the paddocks and He didn't like your carrots, I saw. That was rude. You know, I actually, a deer also dug up one of my carrots and the the deer spit out, you know, maybe not talented. The the carrots were the first thing I I just stuck in the ground to see what would happen. And um, so far, they're they're pretty, but I also don't think they're grown fully. I don't really know how they're supposed to look. Maybe they're not ripe. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I just kind of pulled it out of the ground to see what was going on down there. (laughs) <laughs> and since it was only about an inch long not a lot it's like a nub <laughs> you know i this i there's like different kinds of soils on this property like some is really limestone and then some is really acidic and i wasn't here all the time so i couldn't really babysit seedlings so i just stuck a bunch of stuff in the ground all over to see what it would do so it's literally like not it, it's not been fertilized you know it, it's just stuff growing in sand basically so if anything actually is edible that comes out of it this year that's a big bonus (laughs) yeah and we're gonna try not to poison ben ben says you know what i have better taste than this mom yeah yeah i bought him five pounds of carrots he's fine oh yeah i think he'll be be right (laughs) as rain with that (laughs) well at least that's that's nice of you for bringing carrots i always forget to bring the carrots when i actually go to the barn he was kind of a difficult youngster and he was the first horse where I ever said, I really don't feel like turning this into some kind of master and servant kind of issue. He wants, if he needs help warming up to me and if he needs rewards for every little thing, then that's what I'm going to do. And so I just started hauling out loads of carrots and every time he saw me, surprise, here's another carrot and it's worked beautifully. So They've just become part of my horse life now. It's like if I didn't have treats on my way to see Ben, I stopped and bought some because he has expectations that I have created. <laughs> I am all for that. I'm a big fan of bribery. So yeah. uh, I do it with my horses. I do it with my children. 
I'm an equal opportunity because that's how I, I like positive reinforcement. If you want to treat me with ice cream and I will be your friend. Yes, that's absolutely. what, yeah, that's what bribery can be a form of love. I agree. And it, um, I believe like margaritas and wine are always like the go-to of choice, but I will take tacos. I will yeah. take donuts. Uh, deep fried pickles are a great way to bribe Ooh, me. Haven't tried those yet. Oh, there's so really many good. different kinds. You're just in for a whole new world of flavor. That's so wonderful. I love that idea. <laughs> I love that journey for me. Um, no, that's, that's, I love bribery. I will, my, my horse is sassy. I'm like, oh, you're going to do this and take fly spray like a good boy. You deserve a treat. And I am not ashamed about it. Well, they, and they do deserve a treat. They were good. They did let you do something unnatural and weird to them. So why shouldn't they get a treat? I mean, I'm a big proponent of that. We're probably going to have a lot of people disagreeing, but you know what? I don't care. No, disagreement is healthy. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone's entitled to their opinion, even when you're wrong. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, speaking of bribery, I've been, I've been a very neglectful horse parent in the last five to six weeks because I've been traveling so much. You really have. I've been a terrible, I've been very selfish. And um, so the thoroughbred has decided that he is going to throw all of the things at the vet. And it's, uh, he had first had the allergies and then he had um, his terrible severe thrush suddenly. Oh no. Uh, yeah. My, I switched farriers and good thing I did because my old farrier never told me that there was any thrush. Um, so I've been dealing with that and then he punctured his leg and we oh. don't even know how. No, you'll never, not with a thoroughbred. You'll never know how. Never know. And They'll so I'm, it's a cry for attention. It's a cry for help. <laughs> it is. And, and of course, the pony, he shows he's upset, not by hurting himself, but by blatantly ignoring me and pinning <laughs> his ears when I come near. Yes. So do you know how do I solve the, all of these issues? Care? I show up with treats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I show up with treats. That is correct. Um, so now they're my friends again. Uh, they're very easy to turn over. Um, but yeah, so my win of the week is actually, um, my, anything new for me was I actually got to go to the barn and spend some quality time. So I'm really happy with that. Oh, that's so good. You just feel like a new person when you've been there for like five minutes. I really deserve it. Smelling the hay cheers me up. Oh my God. Yeah. And I don't even care if like it's pea stained straw and I'm just going to pop my little ass in the, uh, <laughs> on the ground in the stall and just hang out with the boys. And mm. uh, uh, it's just lovely. Of course, I prefer the paddock, but, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, it's been wet up there, hasn't it? In your neck it's, of the woods? It's been a little bit wet. Um, plus, you know, Delight's bubble wrapped now um, with the thrush. So we actually talked to the trainer today and I said, what do you think about turning him out for the long haul and just letting him be outside dry out a little bit and uh and we'll see what kind of trouble he gets into so stay tuned for next episode <laughs> listen i turnout is my that's how i keep horses oh if you hear something weird the low flying plane is back um i <laughs> i uh i've and i've kept thoroughbreds outside very successfully i don't know if you have um compressed hay blocks if that trend has reached new jersey but like the hydration hay no, like 700 pound blocks of pressed alfalfa that you put in a pasture. No, oh, nope. no, I'm not aware of this. Oh, yeah. The, so that's Tell how me like, more. most people uh, tend to feed their horses in Florida. They're like they're out horses. So even like 15 years ago, 
I had brood mares that lived out and I didn't have a ton of grass like, and in the winter in Florida, the grass is worthless. So you put out this block of alfalfa, it's like chopped and compressed and they just chew on it throughout the weeks, however long it lasts. And it makes your thoroughbreds shiny and it makes your ponies and air ferns into bubbles that look like they're going to pop. It's it's a really incredible uh, method of feeding that did not exist when I was a kid. I think so. It's um, it's great for breeding horses in Florida. It's oh, great for thoroughbreds. Awesome. So. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to drop a link to that in the show notes because I think I'm going to be researching that myself anyway. Yeah. But yeah, very intriguing. Um, <laughs> and you know, of course, my horses they don't have a lot of grass in their paddock. Um, and uh, they go through hay pretty quickly. So I'm always looking for, I have a hay feeder ball out there for each of them, you know, so they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, um, they're like the alfalfa blocks. They make TNA blocks, ONA blocks. They're basically like hay blocks for thoroughbreds. I, I know people are going to say they're for all, and they are for all horses. But like in Florida, we are, our hay rolls are Bermuda grass or Bahia. And um, that can be difficult to digest at times so, well yeah well you know my thoroughbred is allergic to Bermuda grass oh my goodness yeah yeah so um so yeah if horses can't live on on our grass hay alone then the alfalfa blocks are basically a pasture roll for a sensitive tum <laughs> oh my god well well Ferris I don't know if anybody knows this but Ferris is actually half thoroughbred he's thoroughbred and Welsh cob so <sighs> um so yeah so I'm going to be looking into those very much um well that's fun I, yeah this I has been hay that. corner yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> so heather i live out in the country now and my life seems super horsey and normal to other horse people but you know i used to live in the city and i still managed to find horses everywhere uh so i was kind talent. of yeah, you know, like, you know how you go anywhere and your eyes are open for horses, right? Like you're in the Caribbean on some very non-horsey vacation and you spot horses and you instantly do like a body wellness check <laughs> and you're thinking over their tack and you're trying to decide why their halter's on upside down. And you have a million questions. Um, <laughs> and I was I was thinking about just unusual places you find horses and uh, I was just wondering if you had any sort of like special talent for that or if it was a personal problem where I can't go anywhere without seeing a horse. Well, you know, when you're obsessed with an animal, um, <laughs> it, it, they tend to, I feel like we are magnets, like, right, when you're thinking about something and you're almost manifesting that. So I was actually thinking about this the other day and I'm like, I don't know if I've any, ever been anywhere where I haven't seen a horse. I don't know if that's, um, but I would say the most, odd surprising place I found was I was in Ireland I know that right off the bat that doesn't seem weird but sounds worse bear, bear, bear with me a little bit um and I was in a pub and I went to the loo as you call it or and when I opened the door to the loo it was not the door to the loo it was the door to outside out back and there was a horse that scared the bejesus out of me <laughs> because I just wanted to pee and I and I didn't understand that there was a horse in the backyard um and so that was a little surprise and of course I had to make friends with it as you do 
um, so I forgot about going to the bathroom and I nicknamed him Charlie <laughs> and, uh, and we're great friends to this day. We're, we're pen pals. So that was my fun, uh, <laughs> meet cute for I'm just <laughs> I'm imagining you go into the back and you're like oh a horse and you rub it on the horse and you think what well, I still have to pee so you just casually go in the horse's stall <laughs> pee in the straw I mean who doesn't Natalie <laughs> I think every horse girl at some point has peed in a stall I did you know I did work for coincidentally or maybe not an Irish trainer at one point uh an Irish racehorse trainer and his girlfriend went into a stall and peed and he went crazy and told us none of us were allowed to pee in the stalls. It was disrespectful to the horses. That sounds very, um, I, very, I, I don't know. That's disappointing. I feel like it's just a pragmatic thing. I mean, you have to pee. There's, if there's no, sure. If there's a bathroom around, of course you're going to go to the bathroom. Well, let me tell you what it was. I'll tell you what it was. It was male privilege, Heather. Because he doesn't need to find some place. Exactly. We were the only two girls galloping horses for this guy. The rest were men and they could just go behind the barn. But we didn't have that option. You know what? Next time, go behind the barn and then really give them a fright. I think now I would. I would. I, I was 18 at the time. And so I was, you know, I had, I still had like scruples. But at this point in my life, yeah, I would just be like, turn your head, boys. Yeah. We're told I'm going to continue talking. This conversation is not pausing. <laughs> that's, that's correct. I mean, I went, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the desert and, and with endurance riders and, and, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. And there's not always a bathroom. It's, it's called a tree. You lean <laughs> up against it. <laughs> you need to. Um, and so when I actually came back to, to suburban hood, I was like, Oh, right. I can't just drop my pants wherever I want. That's, that's, that's not allowed. <laughs> um, but how about how about you? Like, what were the most unlikely? Obviously, you've run into quite a few horses on your travels. Where uh, where have did, you seen some? I think my my favorite ones were in London um, because I wasn't looking for horses. I was just kind of wandering around. I had a train to catch to Bath in the afternoon. My family had gone back to. Um, had gone to the airport that morning and I was, I was there for another 10 days on a work trip. And so I was, I had checked my luggage and uh, at a train station and then I was just out wandering around and I went down like what we would call an alleyway, but it was called a muse, you know, so you go between two buildings and it's like an archway and then it opened up onto this, this street of houses that faced each other, like a, closed off street and I walked down past all these lovely houses and at the end there was a stable and <laughs> there was like windows and there were horses inside in uh, box stalls and in standing stalls there were kids brushing these horses it was just it was literally like hidden in the middle of London um, with no sign like no a horsey oasis it was. It was like an island or maybe like a portal, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Into to a an, better realm. <laughs> a better realm of different, a different London with more green space um, for the horses. It was really cool. And it, it kind of reminded me, you know, that obviously in the UK and Ireland, they have a, a horsier culture than we have here in the United States. Um, because it there wasn't any fanfare. It wasn't a fancy place. Um you know, and if you 
have a successful stable in the city in the U.S., then it's usually pretty posh, right? Although Mm -hmm. New York City could be an exception to that because there are some real stinkers in the city. But generally speaking, if you can afford to ride in the city, you know, you're riding at a pretty high-end place. And this was like just like pony club kids just currying away at shaggy horses wearing nylon halters. It was so cool. I didn't really know what to think. That's awesome. And I think, I don't know, in the Regency era, they had, so Muse as in M-E-W-S, right? Right, exactly. Um, that's where they would keep the stable, the stables and the carriage horses. So <laughs> when you would be re- getting ready to go out, you would call the stable hands and they'd pull the horses out of the back and they'd bring them in. And But I didn't realize that they were still use in use today. Yeah, it definitely felt like this was a service courtyard, like longish, but it's, you know, because they were like, 10 houses on either side but because the big old uh, houses faced out over the main road these would have been behind them so they could have all been different like stables and things for the big houses facing the main road like the townhouses and that's so cool that they're still in use today and that the horses didn't get kicked out for some luxury townhomes or things something like that right because horses aren't luxurious enough, I guess. Rich people, geez. <laughs> God, they're not posh, guys. <sighs> Nobody who owns horses has money, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> you either get horse poor or very, very wealthy. That's a, I've always told people, people, people have the wrong idea about owning horses. If you own horses, you're either poor or you're rich. There yeah, are very no few middle class people with horses. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I was actually, not to digress too much, but I was talking with, uh, with my friend Karen from Straight Arrow Products recently. And uh, she actually brought me to her home to work on her horses. And she drives. And we were talking about how horse ownership has changed over the years, where it used to be everyone had a horse because that was the mode of transportation. Uh, and then it switched to cars. And so only the rich had horses. And then it shifted again. And, and so it's kind of been cycling back and forth, but you never get this middle income horse ownership. It's either you have horses and you spend all of your money on them, which is, you know, check, check. And then you have these very wealthy people who have these big, big stables or barns. And uh, it's like, there's really a very little neutral ground there. Yep. Yep, exactly. I, one time I actually was, I was selling a horse. Um, She was a really pretty three-year-old thoroughbred and a British woman in South Florida um, took her on trial, had her for two weeks and she decided it wasn't going to work out. And she sent her, she sent her back up to me in central Florida and she came in an open stock trailer and not just like open-sided, the whole trailer was open, the front, the top. It was really interesting. <laughs> Never seen a horse in anything like it. And the filly looked like she loved it. But the, the woman who had arranged the shipping called me like in tears. She said, I, I asked a neighbor uh, if he knew someone who could bring the horse. And he said, sure, no problem. And he showed up with this trailer. And I said, you can't put that horse in this trailer. <laughs> Oh my God, how dare as if, you? As if, um, you know, a cow horse, which is, it was basically, it was a cattleman's transport. A cow horse could go in that trailer, but not my thoroughbred filly. <laughs> I said, 
<laughs> she doesn't offended. know what kind of trailer she's in. She doesn't know if she's rich or she's poor. <laughs> she loved it. She could look around. She could walk around. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's anthropomorphizing at its best, right? I mean, yeah, this the- is expensive. Philly <laughs> used to expensive things. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. it's a wake up call because that Philly was probably a heck of a lot happier coming in on this open where she could see everything and pay attention. And she looked I mean, so chipper when she arrived. She's like, "Wow, oh, I, I just saw half of Florida." <laughs> It's like an adventure for her, right? Rather yeah. than being stuck in this box that just moves and has terrible sounds and you don't know what's passing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Well, when, when I was, uh, you know, there's, you see a lot of that type of transportation when you go to poorer countries. And honestly, the horses will jump back in the back of a pickup with raised sides and just go for it. They, yes. They're much happier than in our little boxes. You see that in some parts of Florida too. I've run into people that say, hey, watch what my horse will do. And literally say, load up. And the horse will jump into the back of the pickup. And you're just yeah. like, why won't my expensive horse do that? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do well, wrong? <laughs> maybe because we put them in a tiny little box that they can't see out of. I don't know. That. Yeah, but we're putting me. our horses in socioeconomic boxes. <laughs> Well, my pony's rich, okay? So he gets the best. Well, he could care less and he wants to spit in my eye. <laughs> he wants to spit in your eye. He's not a camel, but he's... Do a- you call <laughs> him an evil llama by any chance? <laughs> Bad llama. <laughs> so in our clubhouse uh, on Facebook, our listeners get to submit questions and... We try to answer them in each episode. And so this one is very, very dear to my heart. So my friend Leah writes, what's the most comfortable riding clothing? I'd love to hear about this. I hate show clothing. And same, sister. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of anything less comfortable in my life. They're starched and tight. And so I have a lot of opinions about this. And they're probably not popular opinions with people who like to compete. So Um, but luckily we have weird horse girls who are on this podcast and they're here for a reason. So I'm hoping you guys might appreciate this and maybe even have some suggestions of your own. But for me, when I'm riding, I actually prefer, I either ride in jeans or if I'm doing like a heavy workout, I'll ride in riding tights. Um, cause then I can go from the barn to run errands, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't fall down because they're high-waisted. So I like that. And then I usually wear a t-shirt. Like I don't, I don't subscribe to like this tight fitting clothing. I have a couple of sun shirts, but I always find that I look a little poochy in them because I have curves. <laughs> um, shocker. I know, but I, I really, I dress for comfort. And so a lot of times I'll be wearing like a t-shirt riding breeches at I, my favorite are the Ariat terrains. They're like riding sneakers. They are literally the best things I've ever found and I will die in them. And Mm. you could, yeah. Oh, they're amazing. And they're so comfortable. You can hike in them. You can do barn chores in them. You could get on the horse and ride in them and they're, they're waterproof and, and awesome. And then I just stick a little pair of half chaps over them if I really am doing some heavy riding. So for me, it's very much a, uh, let's see, area terrains for the shoes half chaps they have matching terrain half chaps which are awesome very breathable 
but my favorite writing breaches, if we're going to name names, name names, I really, I love, so the most comfortable ones I've ever worn are the like Batori PJ breeches. Oh, you look so cute in those. I love them. Oh, thank you. They are literally like wearing a pair of pajama leggings. Mm, and I need those. So comfortable. I literally buy a pair every time I see I see her. <laughs> um, I, and I really like, and then how I like the fit, I like Performer Ride. They're based out of Australia. I really like their compression leggings because they make me feel really sucked in and skinny. Mm, awesome. And those have a, like a, like a um, sticky butt, which I really like too. It's, I don't want to eat off my horse. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I love, I basically dress the opposite of you when I ride. Um, now around the barn. Of course you do because we're the odd couple. The odd couple. I mean, I still, I still dress for comfort. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dressing for style. I dress for comfort. I dress for safety. And then there's a little touch of dressing for tradition, which is left over from, it's like my British horse society hangover from running a, a big British Horse Society facility where you showed up in breeches and a tucked in shirt and a belt every single day. <laughs> um, but like around my farm now, I wear basically ripped leggings that are no longer for um, going out <laughs> off the farm. I wear tall socks um, and just whatever t-shirt I could find. Cause basically I'm walking around in a lot of deep grass because I don't really mow, um, because of like pollinators and, and really sugary grass and lots of reasons. So I leave, I leave the, the pasture tall. Um, but ride, I do wear full seat breeches and I do wear paddock boots and caps and I usually wear a sun shirt specifically for riding. <laughs> um, so, so you're I, saying you dress nicer to ride. I dress you nicely when you to go ride. out on the street. Yes. Oh yeah. When I dress better to ride than I do for literally anything else in my life. Um, when I go out on the street, I just wear unripped leggings and a tank top and flip flops. But when I am in the saddle, I am wearing very appropriate clothing where somebody would come and take a picture of me and, and use it in a magazine uh because obviously yes, because I, I look that great in the saddle all the they, time. Sh- they are that's why i had to move here to you know the middle of nowhere was to escape my ardent fans and the, and the crazy photographers uh <laughs> i could see how that would be a problem yeah but i do for me the sun shirt and the full seats are like non-negotiable so because- those are like the most comfortable for you they really are. And I, I honestly, I could find more comfortable full seats, but I wear them to feel secure in the saddle um, because I, up until this point, I don't ride a lot. And Ben is a spooky pony. He likes to get a good look at things. Um, sometimes <laughs> he has to back up a few strides very quickly before you can get a good look at it. <laughs> and so I just feel much more comfortable with a full seat. And, uh, and the what are your favorite shirt- breeches? You know what, right? My favorite breeches are uh, Dover Wellesleys. Mm -hmm. They come in really cute colors. They're mid-rise. So they're not high-waisted, which I could probably wear a high-waist and not complain. But they're mid-rise. They're good around a curve. And they have nice, sticky, silicone full seat. Um, And they're like breeches weight. So they're not meant to be super light. I have a new pair of light ones I haven't tried yet. 
Um, so you definitely get sweaty in them, but I, I do really like them. I really like the colors they come in. I know a lot of people like pipers, right? For cute colors, like the smart pack ones, but they mm. don't fit me. So these are like a curvier version of those. I think they're from Dover Saddlery. Yeah. The pipers are always too long on me and they kind of pull weird right around the ankle. Yeah. So I think I, you I have to, yeah, you have to really specific shape to wear the pipers. I think I tried literally like four different sizes and then I, I just gave up. I said, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> Be gone with you, Piper. Um, yeah. And then my, my sun shirts, um, I, I buy either like the Dover brand or if I can find Castell on clearance, I love, I love Castells, but they're like a hundred dollars new. And I, I just can't spend that much money on a shirt. I would personally die. Uh, but they're super light and they have mesh on the underneath of the arms. So yeah, that's nice. They, for me, they, I find they are genuinely cooler than wearing a tank top, which I used to live in tank tops. And now I wear these, these shirts that ha with the mesh, they shade you and then they let air through at the same time. And, and they do they fit up. like a little tighter or do they fit loose? How do they fit? I, you know, I buy large or extra large. Like they're, they're not meant to fit close, 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 but they are, you know, they're, they're fitted so that they would sit at your hips. If you were taking okay. a lesson, your trainer wouldn't yell at you, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, you know, when your shirt's too baggy and you get yelled at and they're like, tuck it in. And I hate tucking in shirts. So it works for me in that respect as well. Yeah, see, that's the nice thing about riding tights is I don't have to tuck in my shirt. And it's, uh, it's because I don't like my belly. Like for me, that's like my problem area. Well, yeah, no, so but I don't yeah, like unless you're like 20. Attention yeah. To that area. <laughs> like belts, I can't do belts because I'm like, it's just adding an extra inch to my waist. Yeah, except, you know, I really feel like there was more solidarity in the old days where everybody just wore breeches that zipped up the front and then a belt on top. Because we were all playing with the same handicap. That's true. Yeah. So everybody looked extra curvy. Yeah. So now it depends on your fashion sense and how good you are at buying things. I'm <laughs> and very I'm, good at buying things. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> now there's definitely, there's a curve where um, people with better fashion sense look better at riding than those of us who do not. And I just don't think that's fair. Oh, no, I hate how I look in the saddle. I hate how I look in the saddle. Enough said. <laughs> on my Instagram, you will very rarely see a photo of me ever mounted because yeah. I do not look cute. <laughs> I know that, yeah, especially because when I quit riding, I was, I, I did look very good in the saddle. And since I started riding again, the difference is stark. <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, I guess some of this could be fixed with, I don't know, physical fitness for both of us. But like, I think we can both agree that that is not an option. I mean, and you know, let's be real. We're women of a certain age with jobs and children. There's only yeah, so much physical fitness you can do. <laughs> and I mean, if I have time, I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to the barn. I got to tell you, though, even when I did, like you, some things you just have to accept are just <laughs> that's what your body is doing now. And you can like it or lump it. You're going to have to lump it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can be very lumpy. So I mean, but I, <laughs> I just don't need pictures of it is the point. So I like stretchy material. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! 
So Heather, on this episode's Pop Corner, let's talk Bridgerton. We were already talking about Regency horses, right? Ooh, Bridgerton. So we have a tie-in to a, a super hot Regency romance on Netflix, right? And we didn't even mean to do it. No, it's just some things are meant to be. The air just wanted us to to talk horses and Bridgerton just brought it up. Um, yeah, man candy, but of the horse variety, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, we get we get so many man candy on horsebacks per decade, I think. There's not a lot of them. We have to kind of, if we went back over hot guys on horseback over the years, um, the first one that comes to mind for me is... Um, Good old what's his face Aragorn, and oh, his Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen. That's his name. Yeah, Hidalgo. Uh, Hidalgo. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Super yeah. into horses, all that. Robert Redford is a good one too, in in a classic sort of cowboy way. Right. Right. Yeah. I I think I've only seen him as a very lined older man, but I just like I, my understanding he is he was young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, you know, the thing I like about Bridgerton, um, horses included, is that it is not strictly historical. It's a beautiful fantasy of a historical. And I can, I always accept that, like, I, I love the clothing and I love the casting and I love, you know, the dialogue is cheeky and not strictly like a costume drama, right? It's not a BBC drama. Correct. I get really snobby about the wrong horses, and I am trying to be better about that. Frisians. Frisians. <laughs> so I've come to a conclusion, which is that as long as they're not a totally obviously sort of with respect and love to Frisian owners, a fad breed, then I don't mind if it isn't exactly the right horse for the job i like that we can have fun with these historical shows and sort of push past having to be this photorealistic image of what the past looked like because when we dig into the past we go oh that really sucked in a lot of ways for a lot of people and it did, it sucked for horses too, right? Like horses in this period were getting ridden with nasty bits and they had badly fit saddles. And so the Bridgerton horses, you know, they're wearing adapted tack, but they're not wearing some horrific curb bit from a museum. And they're wearing rubber shoes. But did you know that they wear rubber shoes? I didn't realize that, no. So this is a fun fact about the horses in Bridgerton. They wear rubber shoes because they have to travel on cobbles and um, diff- and sometimes I think they're on like marble, wood. Like the, the footing just changed so often for these horses um, that they, they shod them with rubber like carriage horses. And then when they're producing afterwards, they add in the sounds of them walking or trotting on cobbles. Oh, that is really interesting. Isn't that great? That made me really happy. I was like, these horses are not having to stomp around like steel on. Yeah, lighting little igniting fires on cobbles. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and you know, I I love that because actually the thing that I noticed most about the horses in Bridgerton was the tack as well and how there's no side saddles for the ladies. And I think that kind of ties into your 
to your fantasy of because women really had it terrible when it came to writing during the Regency era and they had to wear habits and reading oats and wear special clothes but like these women are just hiking their skirts up riding astride and going for it and I am loving that for them yeah and and actually I bet that does have a ring of accuracy for any of these young women who were raised in the country before they came to London for the season, when they were young girls, a lot of them probably were able to go out, get on a pony in the stables and ride around a stride. So they would know how to do it. Um, and then they would have to learn side saddle. And we've all read those books where it's like, I look ridiculous in this saddle and it's super unsafe. <laughs> And they only want. You, in you fact, sound exactly like them. I, I lost. I lost it. my accent halfway through. <laughs> um, and I actually, I wrote. It's not. In, it's not published right now. But I wrote a, a Regency romance a while back um, about a young woman who rode astride. That was like her thing. Was she rode to the hounds astride instead of side saddle? Um, I kind of I, forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So we're just bringing it on back. Maybe that's something you need to I, finish. <laughs> it, you know, I've, I, ha I decided to rewrite it and I, I got halfway through it and I got caught up in a lot of other stuff, but someday I will finish it and, and publish it again because it was a, it was a sweet story. I liked it. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. And actually I did, I did have a few fans. I had three Regency romances that I wrote that all had horses in them. Hey, I'm a big fan of Regency romances. I oh, mean, that's I where too. my love of history comes in. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I actually, I have to admit, and this is terrible, but I'm a bigger fan of the Bridgerton series on TV than the actual books and her writing. I am too. I am a big fan of the old Regencies from like the 70s and 80s. And they were very, they were very heavy and very historical mm -hmm. uh and they're much lighter now i mean I, I think that julia quinn the author might be the first one to really significantly like do all of her titles with pop culture references like these mm -hmm. books are called things like the spy not the spy who loved me that's the movie things like um the viscount who loved me um you know or romancy mr bridgerton things mm -hmm. like that. So they, she was the first one or she was the first of that generation to say, you know what, I'm going to make this light and fluffy and easier to read and, um, and connect them as a series, which is a significant marketing move for any author to do. Oh yeah. Series sell. Mm -hmm. Right. Sense. And that didn't used to be a thing in romance at all. So it's really changed. So I read them occasionally for something light, but I, I do like, I like the old ones, the old, like heavy. There's one um, that's set like entirely with like Dutch shipping magnets and stuff. Super weird. I loved it. I remember it was 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's called, it was called So Worthy My Love. So that's what they used to be called. Things like that. <laughs> that, that is, that is like the perfect segue into the, because we were going to talk about when book pick me, <laughs> when book picks go wrong that's right <laughs> and i'm just going to carry on through to that because your segue is perfection it wasn't even book, on purpose <laughs> i know my, i know that's why it's so crazy my book pick going wrong 
involved my 13 year old daughter. Oh, fantastic. I'm excited for this. Right. And I don't know <laughs> if I'll be disappointing you, but we're, you know, she's a huge reader, avid reader. She reads slowly, but very prolifically. And every night I've got to say, turn out the lights. I know you're reading, but it's time to go to bed. She loves it. And we were in like, you know, I don't know, a Walgreens or a CVS picking up some items for the house. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, she picked up a book and she's like, this book looks great. I said, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of bodice rippers here in these stores. Let me just read the back. Okay. It was a huge mom fail because I read the back. <laughs> I read the front. I flipped through a little bit. I'm like, yeah, this looks totally innocuous. I'm sure this is appropriate for young adults. Fast forward three to four months and Cameron's laughing at me in public one day in front of her friends. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, my mom picked out a book that had a lot of sex in it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And I was mortified. And I said, well, did you read it? She goes, mm, I'm not telling. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. So note to self, um, not to ever just trust the back cover. I, I took her book shopping after that, and I made the um, – the effort to talk to the person at the front and I said, can you please check if this is young adult appropriate? And, uh, and she did. And so we vetoed one or two, but the rest she got, but, Oh, that was wrong. I do not want to admit that to my husband at all that that ever happened. That's really, you know what? That's funny to me. And here's why, because when I was 13, I think my mom took out a big box of old battered bodice ripper paperbacks. And she said, if you like history, you'll really like these. There's a lot of sex, but I don't really read those parts. And that was where I started reading Regency Romance. <laughs> and, and to her credit, she was right. I learned a ton about history. I got super into the genre. And I didn't usually really read much of the sex at all. I just flipped through it because I want to go back to the castles and the battles and the <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now I feel better, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was like <laughs> Judith McNaught and Julie Garwood and Iris oh, Johansson. Yeah, and all the like Scottish ones, like um, the oh, and the Black Lion. Oh, yeah, those were all so so good. Now that went backwards once because I kind of tried to go in the other direction. I started reading some books by a romance author named Bertree Small. And I real I read this one I really really liked called um, Another Time Another Place, and so I recommended that to my mom. And then I picked up a few more books by her, and I left them in the living room. And I said, Mom, this author is really good. You should read some of her books. Well, I don't have time to get to them. One of the ones I lent to her, she read, and she was like, Okay, yeah, that that was good. I was like, Cool, cool, cool. So I read it. Oh my God, Heather. It didn't just have sex in it. Oh, no. It was the kinkiest, most love triangled, <laughs> most. Did they really have those kind of sex toys in medieval times? <gasps> oh, do they talk about the uh, the sheep gut condoms in that? As oh, no. The- oh, no. <laughs> Pearl encrusted toys. <gasps> food oh, <no>. play. <laughs> Hold but on, multiple I need to partners. <laughs> it, let me tell you, fantastic book. Not what I should have recommended to my mom. Not but from wait, a prude standpoint. 
No, she was probably like, okay, Natalie, that was something. <laughs> I love that she didn't even comment. She was like, oh, she that did was not. Yeah, yeah, that's that was fine. Oh it's, my god. And it's not that like she probably didn't enjoy it. She probably did enjoy it, but that's not something that's not a mother-daughter sharing moment. No, it's a little little close. <laughs> a little uh a little too close. But um so that's your book pick or wrong. I mean that's or is it? It isn't. <laughs> and although I, I have a so I have a reverse one and, and this one is not sexual at all. This one is is non-romantic and it's a, it's somebody else recommended a book. And I, this girl was um so kind as to lend me this book. Uh and I liked the cover. The cover was cute. It it had like a sort of um 40s era young woman in London on the cover. And I thought, oh, that's just my jam. Historical women's fiction, interwar period. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was a mystery. I don't read mysteries. Uh, It was a crime mystery. I really don't read anything with crime. I cannot stand anything to do with the law. (laughs) (laughs) Did Did you watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yes, absolutely love it. You know when they went to the play and then the play turned into um like a crime, like um a legal drama or something and they <laughs> yeah. ran out. That's me. There's nothing I hate more than any mention of courtrooms, legality, lawyers, investigations, Scotland Yard, all of it. I hate it. So this book sat in my apartment for like 2 months. And then she came over and it was sitting on my desk and she goes, oh, wasn't this just the best book? Isn't it just the quirkiest, most delightful book? And I said, it really is. Delightful. I loved it. And she's like, and then she starts naming scenes. Oh, you're stuck. I went with it. I went with it. I lied. Did she believe you? Uh, Well, she didn't invite me to her wedding. Well, I mean, that could go either way. Maybe she could go either way. Well, and what made it weird was that a mutual friend of ours stayed with me in Florida because she was going to her wedding. That's odd. And she was like, wait, you're not going to the wedding? Like, no, I was not invited to this wedding. She's like, oh. (laughs) So I don't know if our relationship went bust that day when I lied about reading her favorite book. It was the book. It just sunk the ship. No more friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I don't like weddings, but. I it would have been nice done. to be invited. It would have been nice to have been invited, especially yeah, since I was playing host to one of the other members of the Awkward. wedding. <laughs> maybe that's 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 uh maybe she could write a crime series involving uh some kind of lying and wedding invite and you know all that fun stuff. But you know, it is books. It's not for everybody. Like there's different <laughs> genres for a reason, right? Not everybody oh, likes yeah. the same stuff. It's there's not personal. No, no. I asked for a book recommendation on Twitter last night and somebody responded to me with something so dystopian that I looked at it like, we've known each other for like a decade. I would never read this book. You should know that. <laughs> How dare you? I, well, it felt like maybe this person had never paid attention to anything I'd ever said before. And I've, it made me question our entire relationship. Oh, that's dark. I don't know. Now I'm afraid. I recommend nothing to you. Let's just say I'm not going to be reading anything dystopian. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a light and fluffy kind of girl. Right. If there's no romance or humor. I don't want it. My life in general is dark and depressing, mm-hmm. and humans are mean, and I don't want to read about it. Agreed. I want to live in a fantasy land. Thank you. But not like a true fantasy land. I don't want elves and stuff all the time. I'm just saying like I want romance and comedies. That's what I want. That's certainly where I'm at right now in my life. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. Well, one time someone left a review for Confessions of a Timid Rider. And I just like, oh, it got it hurt. But I also was laughing hysterically because she was like, this really isn't my type of book. Yeah. It's how she wrote the review. I'm like, why are you reading it? <laughs> if it's not your type of book don't read it and also don't write a review because it's not your type of book yeah (laughs) those would those reviews would work if they told you what their type of book was because then it would be a true assistance to other buyers if they say excuse me if they say uh i prefer uh fiction books which do not have horses in them and this book was neither of those things (laughs) That would be helpful to readers. They would go, oh, yeah, I also prefer fiction books without horses, so I should not read this nonfiction with horses in it. That would, you know, that could save some- Reviews should be helpful to people. Save some time, yeah. Yeah, that that hurt, but also it was just like, okay, but I get it, but why- why are you reading it? So we're gonna have to talk about some of our favorite bad reviews. Favorite reviews? Because I have okay. some favorite bad reviews for sure. We'll have to do that on a future episode. <laughs> I think that's good. But instead of doing that today, okay, I think we should end on an adulting win of the week. Okay, I'm all about the wins. All right. I want to celebrate the wins and our clubhouse has a whole bunch of wins. So Natalie in one minute or less what is your adulting win of the week my adulting win of the week is building an entire uh paddock of electric fence with my husband and neither of us yelled at each other or shocked each other or marched away in anger (laughs) from one another we did it in a friendly fashion and nothing was broken and well and feelings were only hurt a few times it was mostly by ourselves hurting our own feelings not us hurting each other's feelings and now our field is electrified and our horses are happy that's awesome that's a good win (laughs) i hear i thought you were gonna say like i have my horse on the property and now he's got a new friend yay i mean but you that's got into detail i love it yeah i got specific for you (laughs) i love that well so my adulting win of the week is also, I don't know how specific it is, but I made a schedule and I stuck to it. And that is extremely hard for someone like me because my schedule changes based on clients and, and things like that. And of course the kids always have something popping up, but like I stuck to my schedule. I made time for myself and the horses and I feel so proud of myself that I just want to pat myself on the back really quick. <laughs> No, that's like a, that's not just a win of the week. That could be a win of the year. That's incredible. It might be the only time it happens this year, Nally. (laughs) Just remember this feeling. (laughs) I'm going to just ride the wave, okay? Favor it. And so we have a couple that I'll, we have quite a few listed in the clubhouse, but I'm only going to touch on a few so we could save a couple for coming, coming episodes. Um, So Amy says that her adulting win of the week is getting back on the OTTB who dumped me after a jump. And then plucking down lots of money for a new helmet. 
So that <laughs> sounds like a win and a loss a little bit, but definitely for the win. So I'm glad she got back on. That can be hard to do for sure. I'll bet the new helmet is great too. You know, when I you bet. finally I like get that helmet pictures. you've wanted. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see pictures of that helmet because they are important. Safety first, always. Um, don't ask me how many helmets I own. That's like a whole episode. Uh, Kiara, <laughs> Kiara says she set four boundaries in two days. And that is huge. That's huge. Huge. And then the last one, I think this is a great one to end on. Abby says, taking some time for myself this weekend. And I would like to applaud that because that is amazing. And I actually, I know Abby really well and she works like multiple jobs and she deserves it. And as do we all. We do. We do. And and it doesn't have to be a lot. I I remember last weekend at the beginning of the weekend, I said, I just want to take some time and just read this weekend, just not be doing anything else and just read. And on Sunday evening, I did sit in bed for about 20 minutes and read. And it it was reading where I wasn't stealing that time from something else or waiting on something or eating something. It was just lying down and reading something. That was a great 20 minutes. (laughs) It's so special. Sometimes I actually, my husband's like, why are you going to bed so early? I'm not going to bed, honey. I'm just going to have silence and a book and a glass of wine. And you know what? It's awesome. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Sometimes I shower just to have alone time. I'll like sit in the base of the shower and just let the water run over me and just enjoy the silence. I did that when I had a little kid. Yeah. (laughs) Locked myself in the bathroom. Highly recommended, everybody. So (laughs) on that note, I want to say have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. And make sure to subscribe and tune in because Natalie and I have some great stuff coming down the the line here. We do? We do. (laughs) You just don't know about it because I haven't inundated you with like 70,000 text messages. I'll be waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Join in so we can surprise Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.